Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and myself continue our discussion on the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, talking about applying the gospel, or in other words, vocation. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I have a couple other pastor friend brothers with me today. Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Brian Rickey. Wow, I'm your friend. Yes. I'm excited about that. 50, yeah. uh, 54 episodes it took. That's right. Yeah. Because <laughs> I wasn't your friend in seminary. Uh, that's slowly. Sure. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we're, we're buddies. It's you good. asked too many questions yeah. in seminary. <laughs> it's good. No, I, I want to get it out of the way. Vocation. There, there we go. All right, vocation. we've said it. No, but this is a, a vocation episode in a, in a sense, of, as we continue to talk about um, the gospel and how that relates to vocation. Yep. How uh, we we ended last episode talking about how the gospel frees us and how there's there's freedom in that, and so we'd like to further dig into that idea of living out in our vocations in light of the freedom that we have from the gospel. Amen. So, gospel, applying the gospel, this is how you describe it, Jason. Yep. Describe for us and define for us the Christian vocation. <laughs> the Christian vocation is a life that is lived uh, for your neighbor, uh, especially in the places where God has placed you. Uh, that it, 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 it happens naturally. Mm. This idea that we need to go out and do something extraordinary mm-hmm. or hyper-spiritual is what's being rejected with the doctrine of vocation, but that you are obeying God, you are serving God uh, in the stations of life that God has placed you in already. And so, uh, you know, as Luther says, changing a dirty diaper becomes a spiritual act of obedience. <laughs> and uh, being a good husband becomes a spiritual act of obedience to God. Mm, yeah. And uh, being a good employee employee or a good employer or a good literal next door neighbor, whatever that looks like and looks like and the, the impetus, the, the, the supporting foundation of vocation is the continual application of the gospel mm-hmm. uh, so that the, it's not a one-time thing for conversion like yep. we've talked about, but the, the gospel is continually applied because you have, there are two aspects to your life. There's quorum Deo, to use the Latin phrase that means before God, that is what is taken care of in the gospel by Jesus Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Christ shed his blood, has cleansed you, mm-hmm. he has redeemed you, you have the promise of eternity, you have adoption as sons, so on and so forth. But we also live our lives in the here and now on this horizontal plane. That's mm-hmm. quorum mundo before the world. And uh, you know, this has been phrased by theologians who, theologians who are more articulate and smarter than I am as two kinds of righteousness, capturing on mm-hmm. uh, Luther's idea in that. Uh, but really what two kinds of righteousness is teaching us is that the gospel matters for everyday life yeah. because it enables us to live rightly. Mm-hmm. So you are bringing up something that God has been really dealing mm-hmm. with me on. And as we think about applying the gospel and as a vocation, Christ has given the believer in Christ Jesus the two greatest commandments or mandates for the believer in Christ Jesus. Uh, of course, we cannot carry this out in our own strength. I want to preface that, mm-hmm. that both of these are carried out as the Holy Spirit works in and through us. We know it's the power of God for us to carry this out because of the salvation that has taken root in our heart because of what Christ Jesus has accomplished. So there, there's the groundwork for that. But the two greatest mandates are to love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, soul, and mind, but equally so to love 
your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says all the law and prophets hinge on this. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for both of you, but I'm going to direct it at, at Pastor Brett. Because you teach, you teach at the Bible school, and I don't want to pick or poke fun at any type of uh, educational facility. I'm not trying to uh, be combative here, but Mm -hmm. I think it's a real good question. I hope it is. And the question is this. If those are the two greatest commandments given by the Lord, which it is, and they are the two greatest mandates for the believer in Christ Jesus as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, applying the gospel in our vocation— we have classes on evangelism in seminary and Bible schools, and we have classes on discipleship in that. Why don't we have any classes on biblical neighboring? And the, the thing that struck me as I listened to the four um, sessions that we just you know recently aired on the episodes that, that took place at, at your church, Jason, uh, during the Reformation Conference, every single speaker at least four times said that justification by grace through faith alone is so that we can, in the freedom of Christ, love our neighbor in the presence and power of God's saving grace. So if we that is our greatest mandate, why do we teach evangelism? Why do we teach discipleship? Why aren't we talking about biblical neighboring? And really quick, I'm going to interrupt before you start, mm-hmm. but we've only aired one of those presentations for the listeners yeah. of the podcast. Yeah. We've only So far, we've only posted... Uh, Dr. Phil Haugen's. There are three okay. other presentations from the Reformation Conference, but we're kind of saving those in our back pocket in Got case it. the yep. schedule. So I've listened to all four of You've those. You've listened to all <laughs> four. Yes. And yeah. Me by too. the way, yeah. uh, good stuff. if you go to faithlutheran-aflc.org, you can find links to the audio, and I believe I've put the video up as well for those. So if you want to know the whole context of what we're talking about, you can go there, or also check out the Faith Free Lutheran Church page on YouTube, and I've got the video of those presentations up. It's but so stuff. far, there's only been one in the actual podcast feed. Recommend okay. you go check it out. Yeah. I do. No. So, yeah, no, that, those, that's a good question. And I want to be careful here because I'm not a, you mentioned I do I have taught at the schools and so on, but I'm not a full-time faculty, just kind of a, a very, very, very part-time adjunct professor. So I, I don't want to presume to speak on behalf of others. None but, of us do. Yeah. So, um, just want to say that first, but um, I do know they're they're always looking at improving the overall structure of the curriculum, and and I wouldn't be surprised if something like that came in more, if not a full class. I, I don't but know. Let's for open sure. it up to generally, yeah. because if you go to any sure. Christian education why, facility, yeah, right. that isn't being taught, mm-hmm. and I want. I guess I'm wondering why sure. have we just totally missed it in American Christianity? Yeah. Yep. That's probably true. Yeah, because uh, I think this is maybe some of our little, we have, I don't know if the listeners know this as much, but we probably have uh, about an episode's worth of content in between each actually recorded session, uh, but we chat in between times, and um, <laughs> sometimes we wish we would have pressed record for some of that, but... Well, and I see Jason, he's like a stallion <laughs> waiting to get out of the, the <laughs> gate here. He, he wants to take this one sure. and run, don't you? No, I, I want to take everything and run. It's, I'm in love with the sound of my own yeah. voice. I want to give Brett a chance to riff on this for a little sure. bit. No, but I think part of it is our, our love of programs. Uh, we want something that's uh, very well-defined and, and doesn't interact with... We can kind of separate it from the rest of our lives to say, well, we've done that program or I've done that sort of thing for an hour or two and, and I can kind of check it off my box. When we fail to realize the full scope of vocation of how uh, being a good neighbor 
in our vocations, whatever our neighbor is, not necessarily our next door neighbor as we think of that term, but our neighbor in terms of at my job, who am I serving yeah. through that? Or in my in my family vocations, who am I serving? Or who is God serving through me in those vocations? Um, yeah, it, I think we need to think more in terms of all of our life of how yeah. how is God using me in the everyday moments? How is he using me even through those times of program type yeah. of things? So do you think kind of boiling it down to a formulaic program is maybe more about ourselves so to make ourselves yeah. feel better than yeah. it really is about loving our neighbor as ourselves? Possibly. I mean, sometimes programs can be effective and can be good and, and useful, but I do think, and I, I want to emphasize this as a pastor in my own church too, is we need to understand the doctrine of vocation. Um, I think we said b- before, we probably didn't even really understand this doctrine of vocation till even post-seminary, you know, doing further reading. We're always learning and growing and mm-hmm. wanting to uh, to continue in that way. But uh, vocation is one of those gems of Lutheran teaching that it's so underrated, But uh, and hopefully our podcast can be part of promoting that and, and pushing that. Yeah, we never but, bring up the word vocation, we? got to talk about it more. Yeah, no, but <laughs> <laughs> I did a series of vocation um, at my church, and it was really fun to see how people got it and how they saw that. Um, yeah, and, and the freedom of the gospel. All right, Jason, you're, I know you're ready to jump in and <laughs> yeah. share. Um, well, I echo everything you say about vocation. And if you haven't studied the doctrine of vocation yet, there are three books you absolutely need to read. And I'd recommend reading them in this order, if yeah, only as it go. mirrors my experience mm-hmm. and understanding. The first one you want to read is God at Work by Gene Veith. Yep. Uh, it's a, a simple, succinct description of the doctrine of vocation. Uh One of my favorite books I've ever read. Uh, Then you want to move to something a little bit more academic, which is Luther on Vocation by Gustav Wingren. Yeah, Yeah, not vacation, Luther on Vocation. And Wingren does a very academic treatment of all of the places Luther talks about vocation. And, you know, in the end, Wingren's application sometimes goes a little bit off base, but it's a really good book uh, worth pursuing if you want to get into a deep study off of it. And then return to uh, Vith and his daughter. Mary Morby mm-hmm. uh, wrote maybe I think is the best I like that book. book on vocation called Family Vocation, and uh, it is. I the, use that in my class that I teach. No, it's the only book I use for premarital counseling. Now it's the curriculum for premarital counseling mm-hmm. that I use, and it, those three in in that order I think are going to open up a lot of uh, you know rooms of understanding for you with that. So now, why do you think we've what do you, what's the problem? And I don't want to camp there. And so I want to ask both of you, because I really want both of your opinions on this. I want to talk about the solution mm-hmm. too. I don't want to just complain, but what do you think has led to this lack of focus on being a biblical neighbor? Because we have a fundamental addiction to self is what it comes down to is we're all idolaters by nature. And what we're always trying to do, even if we get the gospel, even if we're receiving the gospel on a regular basis, is our sinful nature is going to want to quantify our performance. And so if the gospel has eliminated the possibility of quantifying our performance before God to earn our salvation, the next area that we're going to do is want to quantify our performance in serving God. And so the impetus for the church is to to evangelize, to declare the word of God. Now, that's an important thing to do. We, we have the call going to, uh, you, know, you know, baptize, you know, what is it? 
I'm getting, I want to quote both Acts 1, 8 and you know, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and yeah. they just mashed up in my brain because right. I have this colossal cold headache right now. But you know what I mean, right? Yes. It's the call to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so we think that's the only spiritual thing worth doing. And so we train people to do that. We train people to uh, share their faith. We train people, quite honestly, to accost people with their faith. Now, you think about this. I want to pick on door knocking here because so many churches do that. (laughs) How do you guys feel, unless you're the most ardent, flaming theologian there is, how do you feel when a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness shows up on your front door to uh, declare to you all the excellencies of their faith? It's annoying and inconvenient, and it, it turns you off even more to something you know to be patently false, right? Why do we think Christianity should be received any different than that? Why do we think that going to a mall... Uh, and interrupting people as they're trying to get their Christmas shopping done or as they're just trying to have a relaxing time out is going to be any different. Uh, what's so interesting is that in Scripture, apart from the preaching of the teaching in the, of the Word in a congregational setting, which is Paul's missionary journeys, and the individual churches established in the cities— uh, evangelism happens organically. It's a matter of Preach it, opportunity. Brother. Preach yeah. it. Uh, which is why we have a verse in, in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared mm-hmm. to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Is that you're living your life as a neighbor. It's the as you are going part of the Great Commission. Yep. You're yes. living your life that way so that there might possibly down the road be an opportunity. So why are you like this? Mm-hmm. Why are you being yeah. so nice to me? Why are you being right. so selfless? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it happens organically, and I, I see this fleshed out in Titus chapter two, mm-hmm. I really see that it's like you know, as as we think about the Great Commission, we understand that the verb is making disciples, not you know, not the go part of it. Yeah. But as you're going, as you're on your way, as you're living your life in the freedom of Christ Jesus, in our we're applying the gospel in our mm-hmm. vocation is loving your neighbor as yourself. And this happens in a natural way. We don't contrive it. We don't boil it down to a formula or a program, Mm -hmm. you know, or an an event. And I think that, I think we've done that in the American Western church. So what's the solution? Brett, I want to start with you. I started with you in the first place. What's the solution here? You know, I've been wrestling with this personally a lot lately of, you know, I, I agree with your statement, Jason, that evangelism and sharing the gospel happens organically but as a pastor, I live my life, I just interact with maybe a handful of non-believers on a more consistent basis. And I'm thinking to myself, how can I, I have the, I have the ready, I'm ready with the gospel, like it says in the verse. I don't always have opportunity to be mm-hmm. around unbelievers. And I've just been thinking lately, well, my people do mm-hmm. as a pastor. And they, and maybe, maybe part of the answer for me as a pastor is, how can I, encourage my people to see this and to realize that they have access to more unbelievers throughout their life and work and in the sports groups and the groups they're involved in organically more than I do as a pastor. But maybe part of our vocation as pastors is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yep, that's that's where I was going with that. If only that were written down somewhere. Yeah, right. (laughs) Ephesians 4. Um, the sarcasm is dripping from this episode. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I think it's, it's part of the comprehensive teaching in the church that as we proclaim law, as we proclaim gospel, as we work with the people and interact with our, not just pastors to people, but even people of the church with each other, of one anothering, that 
we continue to move towards this and continue to see, think through our lives and think about strategically, you know, who are the non-believers that God has brought my way yep. and, and who am I seeking and praying for and how can I share the gospel with them um, through my vocations as I serve them, mm. um, being ready with that proclamation in your mind and in your heart and your mouth. Um, I think that's getting close to the answer of what what the solution is. So preaching it from the pulpit, teaching mm-hmm. your congregation, yep. equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Jason? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's tempted when we have a question like that to turn it into a program again. Yeah, right. To right. change it, yeah. which is what we're rejecting here yep. for the yep. most part. You know, the programs have their places yep. in certain contexts, sure. But in, in reality, it's, it's returning to the duality the dual nature of the faith, law and gospel. And mm-hmm. like I said, the Christian life is lived out in assurance of salvation and vocation. Yeah. Uh, the first thing we as pastors need to do is be constantly evangelizing our people mm-hmm. to, to, to constantly be applying the gospel because vocation, the, the Christian life can't be lived apart from the knowledge of the gospel in yeah. our lives regularly. If right. they're not receiving that. Cause we would uh, try to motivate them by uh, guilt trips and, yep. That's not good. You know, and certainly now we educate. uh, Education happens. The the Word of God instructs constantly. But the the main focus of everything we do in the congregation is applying the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, applying the gospel, uh, you know, sending with the gospel even. Uh, And in that then it's the gospel frees us to live our lives, to to be neighbors Mm. instead of to be competitors. Uh, the other thing, too, I think, is that this understanding of law and gospel in the Word of God completely eliminates the entire category of seeker-sensitive. It's just not a possibility. So that if we get to a point where our people who have access to unbelievers, we don't have access, and, and you guys have both realized it, too. As soon as someone out in the real world finds out you're a pastor, <laughs> it's like the the wall yeah. comes up. It's They treat you fundamentally differently. And the names come out. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, it, it's hard, and so you know, like I said, we're evangelizing people. Well, what happens if uh, our people invite someone to church because they like what they're hearing, they're enjoying the fellowship and in, in, in the body of Christ, and you know they appreciate the, the ministry of the word. They bring someone to church. Well, we better be sure that they're going to hear the gospel in our congregation and not going to mm-hmm. hear five steps to improve their marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, those sorts of things are both necessary. And this is why the gospel matters on a daily basis. The gospel matters on a daily basis in the church mm-hmm. because that's all we've been given in the church to give. The so when, at church, when you're preaching the gospel, you're preaching it even to the believers that are there. Yep. And the effect is, if an unbeliever is there, they're also hearing the gospel yep. too. There's an opportunity for conversion and an opportunity mm-hmm. for sanctification in the gospel. We recognize that. And then the gospel matters for daily life so that we are properly oriented, which is the definition of righteousness, that we are rightly oriented to our neighbors. And, and so that we aren't looking for a hook. We're not looking for a bait and switch opportunity so we can tell people about Jesus and meet our quota. We're simply looking to love. 
We're simply looking to love our neighbor, which yeah. means us as pastors, our wives and our kids sometimes. It means our next door neighbors who might have, in, in, in fact, I'm this neighbor. Uh, I'm the guy with all the mature trees. And when the wind blows, all the leaves <laughs> land in my neighbor's lawns kind of a thing. Looking, you know, I have two neighbors in one across the street and one right next to us. When they leave, uh, know they can count on me if their lawn needs to be mowed yep. or if their driveway needs to be snow blowed. And that's not so I can tell them about Jesus. It's mm-hmm. because it's the right thing to do. It's yeah. the neighborly thing to do. And if it comes up that, you know, well, what do you do for them? I'm a pastor. Well, you know, if I can tell them about Jesus, I'm not going to miss that opportunity, but I'm not trying to manipulate my relationship with my neighbor mm-hmm. so that I can tell them about Jesus. There's yeah. not a quota. Yep. It, it, God knows what he's doing and he's capable of doing it. I think a, a misunderstanding that... Um, the church and and maybe us as believers uh, considers that God needs us. Yeah, but God doesn't need us, but He makes use of us. Yeah, He and that, it's that get to part mm-hmm. of applying the gospel. We are, have the privilege and the mm-hmm. freedom of Christ Jesus to be a priesthood of believers and proclaim the excellencies of Christ. But that's a privilege, yep. you know. And I think that we misunderstand that that God needs us for some reason, but he doesn't. He can make the rocks cry out, and mm-hmm. and but he allows us the opportunities. And so, quite frankly, what I'm hearing from, from both of you is to just make yourself available mm-hmm. and be prepared and be, be willing to walk through that door when that opportunity does come in. Yep. You know, it's the message of the book of Esther. Yeah. Who knows if God has not raised you up for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. But if you don't take opportunity, guess what? He's going to get his job done with somebody else. And you are not of such cosmic importance that God can't do his job without you. But the great blessing of the gospel, because he has adopted you into his family, is that he will use you. And Mm -hmm. he will often be using you at times when you think he is using you the least. And Mm -hmm. we desire that privilege. And that's really our greatest desire. The thing that I I would like to just state, and I'm not trying to just inject my opinion here, but I do think that in a really profound way, the American Christian church needs to repent of this. We have absolutely and totally missed the two greatest mandates, and we've allowed secondary statements in Scripture to become the primary ones, and we have literally reversed the importance of what Christ has given us and made what we think is important and boiling it down to a program, Mm -hmm. boiling it down to a formula, because we've adopted this consumeristic mindset in the church to build our own kingdoms as pastors, Mm -hmm. more so than build Christ's kingdoms in this natural, organic way. Mm -hmm. And we have failed. And we need to repent as the church, as Christian educational facilities, Mm -hmm. as pastors, teachers, and leaders. We need to get on our knees, repent, and return to those two greatest mandates in our vocation, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, but equally as important Mm -hmm. to then love your neighbor as yourself. Because of the gospel. And the one thing we we would do well to remember in all this is that the church does not lose. It cannot lose. No. Uh, and that's that's a direct product of the gospel. Jesus Christ has, in fact, crushed the head of the serpent. He has mm-hmm. de- defeated Satan. Uh, our victory is assured. The church does not lose. And so what the church needs to do is stop inventing emergencies Amen. so that we can treat false symptoms. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yep. Well, I'd love to end with Romans chapter 12. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And of course, we do this in the freedom of Christ Jesus and the victory that he has given to us through his life, death, and resurrection. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and myself continue our discussion on the Lutheran Confessions, beginning with the Apostles' Creed. God bless you and have a great week.